We can practically count the number of cities in the Midwest on two hands, but are unsure when the rural towns start and stop. And with the tradition of slow-paced living, this region of the U.S. is often behind months, if not years, on trends. Whether it's the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the way we date, or how we spend our free time, we're here to dive into it all. Welcome to Hopefully, the podcast where three lifelong best friends sit down and catch up on each other's lives while also dishing on the latest trends in fashion, beauty, skincare, lifestyle, fitness, food, my favorite, travel, and more. We'll share our biggest dreams and darkest secrets, how we've overcome our fears and found confidence, our tips and tricks and trials and errors, and real life relatable stories. We want to help you feel confident in your own skin. To inspire you. We want you to lead a happier, healthier, easier, and more confident life. And hopefully, you do too. Get it? Straight to the point, a little sassy, but always real. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome back, Hopefully team. Episode what? Three? Three. Wow. Three. Time's flying. With fun. our extremely special guest, one of our great friends, Gina, say hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone that was following the birthday trip extravaganza, Gina was on the birthday trip with us um, to Park City, you know, shredding the mountain, becoming professional snowboarders. Kayla's already a professional skier, as we all know. Um, but Gina is one of my closest friends. She's like the one friend I call you. I don't know if I've ever told you this to your face. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I call Gina my post-college best friend. Because um, I have a lot of best friends from all walks of life. And Gina is like truly my only post-college best friend. So pumped to have you here, but Gina's here today to talk about some stuff that I think is important, well, I know is important, is near and dear to all of our hearts, but it's kind of can be labeled as like not sexy, you know, like I know. Yeah, you know. I okay, know. so I, I was going to spit it out. So Gina has been working in the nonprofit world since she graduated college. I've gotten a glimpse of what it's like to work at a nonprofit, but that experience tr- truly opened my eyes to the importance of volunteering, whether it's giving your time, giving your money, giving your resources. And I know Ash and Kayla are both also very passionate about this. And it's just like something that people our age don't talk about enough. So mm-hmm. we wanted to bring this expert, Gina, on to talk more about it. Yes. Well, I'm by all no means an expert, but I will pretend like I am one for the next <laughs> however long this is. <laughs> okay. But I think it might be easiest to just start by, you know, telling us what you do, your title what your days look like. Perfect. Yes. Well, my title is I'm a corporate engagement manager at United Way of Central Iowa. And so basically what I do is I work with corporations across Central Iowa and help them plan their annual giving campaigns. So I get to work a lot with a bunch of different people and help them engage their employees and what makes their employees passionate, which in turn makes them a better company because their employees stay longer, they're more engaged in the work and 
it's just it's really cool to see the impact it has in the community how long have you been doing this since you were out of college yeah so i've been in nonprofit for almost five years and i've been at united way for almost two years now Um, but prior to that i worked at the muscular dystrophy association um, Mm -hmm. still on the fundraising side so i've always been on the fundraising side so Oftentimes in nonprofit, it kind of gets split into the mission side and the fundraising side. And, um, but yeah, I've solely been on the, the getting the money side. (laughs) (laughs) That's so hard to do though. Like I, I obviously worked in marketing when I was at a nonprofit. So my experience was very different than yours, but I was more of like a support system to all the different teams. And I worked at United Way as well. So I know a lot about the organization and its mission. So I want to get more into that in a little bit. But was there a reason you decided to go into nonprofits? Is it always been something you've been connected to, interested in, or I guess, how did you get started on this path? Yeah, no, I totally wish I had like this super exciting story. Like I was always led to be this way, but um, no, uh, I just needed a job, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I, I think like, you know, obviously we, I feel like we all kind of think this way where everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change how I ended up where I am. So I think like I've always obviously been passionate about helping people, but I never first saw myself going into this field just like as my purpose. Mm -hmm. It just happened to fall that way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself going out of nonprofit ever and into corporate America or no? I don't know. I think it, well, in my head, I'm like, I think it would be so hard and so different. But now that I, I mean, I work with corporations on the other end of things. So, you know, a lot of things line up, Mm -hmm. but. I don't know. I think it would be hard to make money for something that's not like, I don't know, giving back to the community now that I've been in it for so long. Right. Right. Yeah, so there's when it so comes, much purpose there. So Gina, tell us, I know you said you worked for a different company before um, you moved to Des Moines and work for the company you do now. So kind of tell us about um, the nonprofit you work for now and why did you make the change? Yeah. So. Now I work for United Way of Central Iowa, and honestly, it was Bree that kind of got me interested in United Way. So she worked for the East Central Iowa office, and they're all different. So, um, but they all kind of focus in the same areas of work, but based on what their communities need. But ultimately, you know, I really wanted to move back to the Des Moines area, but also I was just so intrigued by the impact that United Way can have specifically in a community um, because we have the resources and usually the commitment of the, co- the community to make the, the biggest impact in the areas that are really the most needed. Mm-hmm. So it, I live and breathe the mission of United Way still. It's kind of <laughs> to the point, but like, I truly agree. I believe in it so much. Like for anyone that isn't familiar with United Way, they put a lot of money into research into the communities they serve. So as Gina mentioned, there are, United Way is a technically worldwide organization, but there are multiple locations throughout any given state. So I think Iowa has three or four locations serving different parts of the state. And for sure, three. There's probably more. There might be more smaller ones, but Mm -hmm. essentially... 
they take a lot of time and effort and, you know, submit RFPs for grants to do research in the communities. So then when they fundraise, which is what Gina's raising the money for, that money that is being fundraised is strategically being placed into the community so it'll make the most impact. So one of the things that resonated with me most when I worked at United Way of East Central Iowa was actually stated by the vice president of fundraising. That wasn't her title, but she ran the fundraising for the entire organization. And she made a very blunt comment that if a nonprofit is doing its job, we're working ourselves out of a job. Right. Mm-hmm. If we're doing our job correctly, we are truly working ourselves until we don't have a job anymore. And that's what United Way does, where the g- intent is to find the most need, give the money to that need, give the resources to that need until it doesn't need it anymore. Because like we're solving that mm-hmm. community problem, which is why I don't know. It's I mean, obviously, giving your time or your money to any organization you're passionate about, I highly encourage But if you don't know where to start, United Way is just like a truly amazing resource that will give back directly to where it's most needed in your community. But that was a little tangent, but I'm very passionate about United Way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, me too, me too. (laughs) Well, and I also feel like I didn't, I mean, I didn't even know about United Way before Bree started, before you started working for them. So I truly didn't know, you know, um, businesses like this existed and how you um, could, you know, reach out or they could reach out to you and you could find ways to be charitable, quote unquote, um, easier. I mean, I feel like a lot of people want to give back. A lot of people want to do good, but they don't know where to start. Um, So if, if that was, if you were talking to me three years ago, where where would you tell people to like start looking to find places like this or to like reach out like what would be something um that you would recommend for the starting point to get involved with like nonprofits? Mm -hmm. I think it kind of comes down to like what are you know thinking about what you're passionate about and finding those organizations in your community that serve that need and you know I don't want to plug United Way all day but you know, they're, they're a great place to start because they partner with a lot of those organizations that help facilitate those conversations throughout the community. So, um, mm-hmm. it's a great place to look and, but you know, you guys- that, especially when you're coming into like being a young professional, it's hard to give money. Like we, you know, we're coming out of college with student loans or whatever, right. we're learning how to pay bills. Um, but you know, you can't For really sure. discount how impactful volunteerism can be too. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Like, do you guys do events? Like, I think there's so many easy ways for people our age who are trying to make their own money to to live their own lives. They could show up and do just a helping hand movement instead of donating. And I think that a lot of charities, I don't know what you guys do specifically, but if you had events that people could show up to and just participate in, I think that would, I mean, that's a trend, you know, I think doing good deeds and showing up and just serving those who need help is what's trendy and on top of all the trends we talk about here on the podcast, but (laughs) yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we do have events like volunteer events, but we also have a hub that we bring in like organizations across the community and they can put their events in there too. Just because a lot of times when, you know, people are thinking of how can I give back, um, 
United Way kind of carries that weight where they're like, oh, I'll look there. And so consolidating mm-hmm. all those resources into one spot, it makes it really like user friendly and, and donor sure. friendly because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of nonprofits, we're trying, we're fighting for the same things. Like we want mm-hmm. our communities to thrive. And so partnering together. I almost hesitated sharing this because it makes me sound like a terrible person, but <laughs> I'm going to do it anyways because we're all about being real, right? So <laughs> I was in a sorority we all were in sororities in college and you know a big part of that Greek life is giving back and in in college a lot of that looks like time and you guys I hated volunteering I hate giving my time I hate volunteering and I don't I mean that and I know it sounds terrible when I say that but like Mm -hmm. it I used to feel so much guilt like so carrying so much guilt about the fact that I didn't enjoy doing that because it's like, I do want to make an impact in my communities. I do want to help. I do want to make a difference in, you know, other people's lives. But like, I had such a bad taste in my mouth about it for so long that I like, didn't, I just was like, well, guess nonprofit's not for me. I guess I just like, it's not a part of who I am. But um, I know that there are some really cool ways to give back time to your point, Ashley, that whether it's trendy or not, like there, if you literally like Google fun ways to give back in my community, there are organizations that will do like a happy hour. And during the happy hour, you like put together a booklet that's given to kids. Like that's, that type of volunteering is fun for me because it's like, I'm getting to socialize while I do it. Um, but also I think a lot of people our age don't realize like how impactful giving like $5 a paycheck can be like that can be equivalent to giving like $200 in one sitting. And Mm -hmm. when it's taken out of your paycheck like that, it looks very different. So I just like realized that giving money in the nonprofit world is just as important as giving your time. And even as a young professional, it just like can seem scary to write a check that big, but being able to have an organization just like plop it out of my paycheck every single time, like mm-hmm. it's like, I'm still giving back to the community. So those yeah. options are out there too. So if you don't Absolutely. like giving your time, you can do something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that you, I mean, I think that's, a good point because I think a lot of people probably agree with you when you say that like they didn't actually enjoy to go do those things yeah but that doesn't mean you're a bad person yeah some people really do love it and it's like well if it's on your heart to give back like there are other ways to do that and there are there are other volunteer things that might be more Mm -hmm. fitting for you but that's what I was gonna say there's different ways to do or there's different types of events like if you're at an event where you're like dealing with little kids and you're like making them laugh and smile. Like there's no way you wouldn't be happy doing that. Right. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. See, I, I would rather do that Ash than give my money. Like I would rather give my time because I feel like in, in my eyes, like me being there, if I'm, if we're at an event and there's other people there, like, the big brother, big sister give back essentially. Like I'm making more of an impact on that person being there in front of them than mm-hmm. the dollar that I don't ever give to Petco every single time I shop there. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that's different. Every time. Do you do you want to donate two dollars and fifty cents to such and such charity? <laughs> uh, no, not today. I'm not sorry. today. <laughs> but seriously, being on the other side, and Gina, you can agree. With, you can. You don't have to weigh in on this if you don't want to. But being on the <laughs> other side of it, like working in the nonprofit, honestly, the people who donate the most money get to have the most say in making a difference and like Mm -hmm. that was what was super important to me was like (laughs) I remember saying to my coworkers at one point I was like I could leave and go get a corporate job and donate a lot more of money and that more people in this organization would listen to me but I remember you saying that to me but I don't know I just like for anyone out there that doesn't that doesn't also doesn't like volunteering like that doesn't mean you're a bad person correct well and there's There's, like, other ways to volunteer, like, even outside of the, like, um, you know, creating like kids events. or, like, yeah. picking up litter and stuff. Like, you can v- volunteer to be on a board. And right. That like, that's like giving your time. development. Um, and, like, nonprofits, of course, like, any business, you're trying to learn how to market and give value to, like, new generations of donors. Right. So, like, having mm-hmm. that young professional voice on a board is so important to a lot of nonprofits. And I think a lot of people our age are like, what? Why would anyone want me on a board? Because I have, like, three seconds of knowledge. I don't know anything. But, like, that's <laughs> not true because you know, like, what your friends talk about and what's passionate, yep. what gets us going and what, like, right. why would I give to you over you? And so, like being that mm-hmm. voice for a lot of nonprofits is really significant and important. Right. So in and that way it's cool. And donate and volunteering like your skills too. So like there are a lot of nonprofits that don't like pay for full-time marketing individuals or they only have one payroll person or they don't have anyone helping with I don't know literally anything it record keeping administrative work like that's another way I found like I do enjoy giving back my time in that way as well where I'm you know Mm -hmm. doing something I professionally know how to do really well so I think a lot of people don't realize that that's a thing too that you can volunteer in that way um but I don't know there are so many different ways to give back and until you're connected to someone who's in that community it's like hard to know where to start even I was just that was exactly going to be like my next um question generate or towards you was how like when a young professional is searching for that like where to or even just uh, me like looking for opportunities to volunteer or um to donate my time or money to where do you start looking? I mean, you could do a Google search, but I feel like that Google search is going to just bring up so many different links. And there's so many links out there nowadays that could be a scam. Like, how do you know if it's not? How do you know if it is? Like, where is the best place to start looking? Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of times it will be like the community foundations in your communities. Like Des Moines has a community foundation that partners with a lot of nonprofits in the area. And I always feel like that is a really good place to start. Um, And they, you know, of course, have a bunch of other things going on, too. So even if it's not like specifically nonprofit, there's always like opportunities to get more involved in your community, which, Mm -hmm. again, like is so important just to be like, I don't know, just more aware of what's happening 
Because I feel like we, you know, for me anyways, I can put blinders on and not even realize like what's going on in my own backyard until you're mm-hmm. like up in its business. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh that's an issue. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's where the nonprofits come in to hopefully mm-hmm. solve those issues. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point to make too. Like it's not, those type of forums aren't just to connect you to nonprofits, but also to connect you to outlets that will inform you about what's going on right next door that's a great point because that's that's also something I feel like I'm not very good at doing I'm good at listening to a morning podcast that will give me a Mm -hmm. 15 minute rundown of the news in the world and sometimes that includes you know the midwest or our community but very rarely am I tuning in to like what is actually going on in Kansas City unless I'm like walking outside and there's a protest or something crazy going on and it's like I have to google what's going on here right yeah I have no clue any community I've ever lived in I've never done any outreach there I've never looked into it and I think it's I mean it's no one's fault but my own just being lazy and not taking the time to actually Mm -hmm. look into it but the way of the world, like everything's so easy. So I just feel like it should just be there. Like if it, you know what I mean? Which is selfish. And I don't think that makes you lazy though. I think it's just like, until we have these conversations, like the one we're having now, you don't even think about doing it. And hopefully that's like what some listeners will take away is that it is really easy to be informed and to get that right there gratification. You just have to like probably sign up for a newsletter mm-hmm. you or... have to seek it out which is I mean when we really talk about it the deep down issue is that nonprofits a lot of times don't have the money to market mm-hmm. and so yeah. a lot of people don't know what's going on and that you know you but if you tell your donors like we're gonna use twenty dollars that you gave us to like put an ad on TV that's mm-hmm. they don't love that you know <laughs> right go to the mission but, right uh, right but then it's hard to get new donors. So it's like this never ending cycle of. So is that how, like, is that how it works? The donor donates the money, but you have to tell them exactly how you are going to use their money. Um, no, not exactly. So it just, it kind of depends on the organization, but like this, this is a question if any nonprofit professional hears, we just like, we hate this question. Like how much (laughs) of my dollar goes to the mission? Because I think, in general, we really need to just, well, let me go on a tangent here. We really need to change the way that we think about nonprofit. Um, we just had a, like a nonprofit call the other day where it's like nonprofit is a tax status. It's not a business model. Right. But we're not, nonprofits often aren't allowed to act in a way that a for-profit business would act. Right. And so, because you're expected to take 100% of what's being given right. to you and put it to the mission. But in order to be successful in that, you can't you can't do that. You can't yeah. take 100% of what's given to you and only give it to the mission because you need support and resources and to like adequately pay the employees that are working at said organization. But doesn't right. that go towards the mission? Like, I feel like that's so vague. Like, in order for the mission – like. In order for right. the goal to be achieved, the whole entire mission has to be 
like a working unit. And for that to happen, you have to be paying these individuals. So it is still going towards the mission. Right. Yeah. But a lot of time people will think like that's the overhead, like whatever you pay your employees or, you know, your marketing costs or whatever it might be. But it's almost like this notion or idea that nonprofits are less than than other for-profit businesses. Like you can pay, you know, Betty Lou down the street a million dollars a year to sell popsicles and no one has a problem with that but if a nonprofit, you know CEO makes more than six figures a year it's like um excuse us right you know? it's like yeah it's like the donors think you should get paid but they also think there should be a cap on what that looks like and I don't think that's fair have you noticed a decrease in the amount of donation as like the generations change? So it's interesting what we see, like the trends that we see is fewer people are donating, but they're donating higher amounts. Yeah. So the reason I ask is because I don't even know if you guys remember this about me, but my second year out of college, I worked for the mailing facility that, that basically did all nonprofit mail. So we actually had United Way, I'm pretty sure, as one of our customers. And we did all of your guys' marketing. So we would, they probably still do it. I don't know. I don't work there anymore. But we would mail a million like brochures out to all these homes. But people our age don't get that mail. So it's Mm -hmm. only really going to the older generations who probably are still giving some donation. But it's not this that same group I guess and you don't I mean we don't get like that marketing you know we don't get hey Ashley do you want to donate to this this month unless it's like an email when we have over a thousand emails in our inbox and we're not reading them I don't know it was always something I was really like passionate about figuring out a different way to change but I know that was like a topic of conversations in nonprofits too um so I just didn't know if you guys have like had that conversation yeah. No, we, like we definitely have because like, as the new generations are coming into the workforce, like direct mail sucks. We know that. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, maybe the baby boomers love it, but <laughs> anybody below that is no one checks their mail and I'm not going to send money through the mail. And so it's like, right, how do right. we connect with these donors that are younger and how do we get them passionate about a cause? But it's like, again, the circle, it's like, but we can't invest into marketing to make that happen sometimes but then you know the most important I feel like word of mouth is so it's obviously free but it goes so such a long ways like if I hear someone recommend something I will do that 10 times over than if I see like a targeted ad for myself you know but so that's why like these conversations are so important but I feel like people don't talk about like nonprofit or I give this much and this is why Because talking about money can be uncomfortable for people. Yeah, people don't like to talk about it. I hope that like people listening to this, at least it initiates one person to go online and search it for their community forum to see like what even the nonprofits are in the area or sign up for a volunteer event or ask their friends if they've ever heard about this nonprofit that they just found out about in their area or just signing up for a newsletter or finding the app for their area news. I don't know. I just think this is so important and we're at this weird age where we have to be listening more and 
paying closer attention and somebody has to set the tone and we are lucky enough to have a platform to kind of reach a lot of people in a short amount of time and I'm not saying everyone has to donate five dollars per paycheck but just thinking more intentionally about what you want the community you raise your kids to look like and right. how you want to make a difference in the area you live in I just think it's it's so important and hopefully to your point Gina word of mouth we can help more people start giving back in some way so I know that outside of like your professional work you also are very involved in other nonprofit organizations do you want to talk a little bit about what they are and maybe like what their mission stands for and how you got involved (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's kind of funny. It's like I work in nonprofit, but then I wanted a further impact. Like <laughs> it's just every day, but I want to do more. And so I'm also, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also a big sister through Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, so I've been doing that, gosh, probably almost a year now. And mm-hmm. I think it was probably my first week. I went to a campaign event and there was a big brother talking about his little brother that he, you know, they met when his little brother was five and his little brother just like graduated college and they're still, you know, he's going to go to his wedding. And I was like, I want that impact. Like I want to be that person for a kid that doesn't have maybe like an older sibling or a good role model or whatever it Mm -hmm. might be. And so that's like where that stemmed from. I think I immediately just like went home and applied like, hi, I, can I do that too? Um, (laughs) You should tell us about some of the stuff that you get to do with your little. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I can say your name, but I think I can. I'm just not going to just in case. Um, But so we can call her. We can call her Sophie. That's not her name. Sophie's not my her her name, but Sophie and I, she's 11 and we've um, gone bowling. We did a painting class. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the holidays, we watched Christmas movies and baked cookies. I'm taking her, her favorite animal is a pig, and I'm taking her <laughs> to this rescue farm that's literally an hour and a half away, but it's the only place that she can pet a pig, and so we're going to go. Oh, my um, God. That's you know, the cutest thing ever. <laughs> She's like the sweetest, sweet baby angel that I've ever met in my life, and honestly, like, I can pretend that I've given back to her, but she's really given me, I'm sure, so much more too, just through that experience. So I have chills. Wants to do that, recommend, do it. <laughs> you won't regret it. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, it's so cute. I also mm-hmm. recently just uh, was sworn in as a CASA volunteer. So that's a court appointed special advocate. And this is across the nation, um, I'm pretty sure. And basically what happens is if a kid is removed from their home for any reason, maybe it's child abuse or drug abuse or whatever that might be, they get put into foster care or, you know, a homeless shelter or whatever. um, Mm -hmm. And then they have to go through the court system. So when what ACASA does is they're the only person that only has one case. So you get assigned to one kid and you're their advocate. So you um, make sure to like, interview all the parties that are involved in this case, like their parents, their foster parents, their teachers, their doctors. Um, And then you write a court report to make sure like someone is looking out for that kid. One person, their sole responsibility is to make sure that kid is okay. Um, So also very important um, to do. And 
obviously I guess I have a soft spot for kids yeah (laughs) I that's so great I feel like that it's so much easier to do things like that that people really have like I would sign up to do that if I knew how Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah especially like Casa always talks about they're like Mm -hmm. it's word of mouth please spread the word so yeah here, here we are. Incredible. <laughs> okay, so what does it take to be a CASA? Like, what did you? What was the process that you had to go through? Yeah, well, it's pretty intensive. I will be honest. <laughs> um, it was like mm-hmm. thirty hours of training, um, and then, I mean, and you had to I, have references. Yeah, you have to have references. You apply. You have an interview, and then you do thirty hours of training. At least in Iowa, I'm sure that varies across, okay. you know, the mm-hmm. U.S. But. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, here we have to keep up on training, but, you know, it's training to learn about, like, what are the child abuse, like, how are, what's the development that a kid at a certain age should be, you know, experiencing, what's the detriment of removing them from their parents, like, how does that have influence on their life moving forward, what happens to kids who age out of the foster system, that's depressing, Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, so a lot of training to learn about, like, the history honestly the history of foster care was really interesting um just yeah a lot Mm -hmm. a lot to learn and and so you can be prepared and and feel knowledgeable Mm -hmm. when you go and have like a huge impact on someone's life this is so random but I'm just interested since you kind of got to learn the history of foster care a little bit and maybe it wasn't about this so you can't answer it I don't know but do you think the the foster care system has evolved or do you think it's kind of stayed stagnant? It's definitely evolved. There was actually, I don't, don't quote me, but I think there was something (laughs) passed recently where it's like child first foster care, where there's more focus on especially older youth, making sure that they're prepared for aging out of the system. But the most Mm -hmm. interesting thing about foster care was there was a, like an animal welfare system before there was child welfare. Yeah. So when someone had an issue about like child abuse, they went to an animal welfare because there was nowhere to go for child welfare. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. It's crazy. Which that is so, so crazy. Like, this is a, a million years ago, but still, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> and it, it wow. is crazy to me to think about like growing out of foster care, right? Because I think even even nowadays, I feel like more 18-year-olds are still not adults. Like, you are not ready as an 18-year-old to be living – most people, most 18-year-olds. So, it's I so – I could tell you a couple 20-something-year-olds that are not responsible Exactly. Adults. So, it, it's so interesting to me how there's not, like, a transition care, if that right. would make sense. Like, where, okay, you hit that 18, and I know it – you know, in a perfect world, we would have it. But it's just so crazy to me that nowadays we still, and I guess we do have to create a cutoff, but we still have that cutoff at 18 yeah. because there's so much you don't know at 18 and you are just not prepared to go out into this world on your own with no support. For yeah. sure. I think some yeah. of them have extended it to 21, but but still, and especially like they're in foster care because they don't have a parental Anyone. support. Yeah. So like, I getting into college, like filling out FAFSA forms was hard enough with my parents, like over my shoulder helping me. I cannot imagine a kid who doesn't have, you know, parents or anybody with resources to help them through just like the stupidities of life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I call my mom every time I go to the grocery store. 
every time. I'm like, okay, what's in it? Like, what do, what do I need to make this? Right. Never fails. Well, and I think it's worth saying, too, that not all communities might have this, but I know Cedar Rapids did when I lived there and worked at the United Way there. There was a nonprofit organization that worked very closely to this process. And, you know, one of their main focuses was exactly this, like making sure that these kids who are about to age out like are supported not only like just like across the board emotionally supported and as physically supported as possible and just like making sure they have the tools the resources they need and they this organization partnered very closely with big brothers big sisters and you know making sure they had they knew what to expect when they graduated and what going to college or not going to college or finding trade schools, what that looked like. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something you're passionate about. I know that there are a lot of different ways to get involved in that too. And again, it's something that just isn't talked about. I mean, at least in our age group a lot. Like we, I think it's easy for us to talk about kids and like young kids and giving back that way or you know children in hospitals or people in hospitals like not to say that they don't need our support but there are so many other groups of people that need our support whether they are kids or not and it's just crazy and each community is different so different about the, the needs yeah, and it last was heavy. That was kind of heavy. That was kind of a heavy little, little battle you just had there. <laughs> I think it's important. No, so, it yeah. is. It is very important. I, but I yes, one hundred percent agree with it's you. It's a different tone than usual, but I I like it because mm-hmm. it really is bringing out. I don't know. Important parts of who we are and yeah. why it's crucial to give back in some capacity. Right. And an example of like using a platform to talk about, right. to like make these things more known. So people feel more comfortable talking about how much they donate or which charities or mm-hmm. nonprofits they give to. Cause right. I know we had, you know, Chloe on talking about, you know, it's okay to talk about money. Let's change right. that. So like, right. let's change this. Let's also talk about money, but talk about how much you're giving back to a nonprofit or what charity mm-hmm. you're involved in or your volunteer mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, so, too, like, to Gina's point earlier, we were talking so much about what you can do. How are we going to help? But, like, in a non-selfish way, what's it doing for us? It's it's such a beautiful feeling to, mm-hmm. like, like you said, as much as that little girl has done for you, you know, you're getting just as much out of it as you're giving. And I think that mm-hmm. as humans, we all have a place in our hearts to like feel happiness when we make other people feel happy, right? Well, I think right. most humans should have that in their hearts. Right, but, exactly. Um, it's something that I like speak highly on because I know that I get so much out of it and I think everyone else would too if they would just try, you know? So I think mm-hmm. it's it's just, sure. it's so empowering to see people like you doing something like this, Gina, and living your life like, as an example in that aspect because like 
Brianna started the conversation. It might not sound sexy. It might not sound cool, but it is the cool, it is a cool thing to do. So props mm-hmm. to you for doing that. Yeah, I, I take it back. It is sexy. It is. I, I, just I think it's sexy. It is. <laughs> let's make it sexy. It's let's sexy do now. Let's, let's do that. Because you are, you are truly, like such a shining example like mm-hmm. you live and breathe this like every ounce of free time you are giving to other people and I a lot of people can't say that and you mm-hmm. are I don't know you're a saint I was just gonna say that thank I don't know Gina. About that but thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of hopefully whether you're listening on Apple Podcast or Spotify, we would truly appreciate it if you would take the time to like, rate, and subscribe. Thanks again for hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time on Oakley.